Warning, the following podcast may be harmful to your marriage or relationships if used in an attempt to change anyone but yourself. Are you that old buddy? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Relationship Rewire, where we talk about what's right and what's wrong with relationships and marriage in our world today. One big reason I started the Relationship Rewire podcast was because most of what I noticed out there concerning marriage and relationship help was about what to do and practical tools, but little that addresses faulty and damaging mindsets and myths. Now, I try to offer helpful tools every episode, However, tools alone can become like a sledgehammer in the hands of a window repairman. In order to have thriving relationships, we must continue to get better at loving. In order to get better at loving, we must continue to grow. And growth requires new perspectives. This is all to say that I intentionally invite guests onto this podcast who don't see things just like I do. Sometimes I strongly disagree with their perspectives. But if we put ourselves in an echo chamber, not only will we not grow, we will become more and more angry and unloving as we attempt to defend what we think we already know. So, put more simply, please join me in the search for deeper truth as we listen to Relationship Rewire. All right, welcome to another episode of Relationship Rewire, and this is John Anderson, as usual, and I have a guest, as usual, that I'm very excited about bringing to you. This is Dr. Allison Cook, and she has recently written a book. Um, they can't see this, but um, I'm holding up a book for Allison and I to see, like she hasn't seen it a million times, but it's called Boundaries for Your Soul. It's subtitled, How to Turn Your Overwhelming Thoughts and Feelings into Your Greatest Allies. Now, I heard you, Allison, on another podcast, and that's where I got interested in, I thought, that's, I, you have some things that our listeners could use, and, and a story that, that will help them, and uh, in, in, in you and I uh, communicating back and forth before we did this, uh, I've, I realized that this is uh, a lot of it, what's in this book is a thing called internal family systems theory that I studied back in graduate school, read a couple books on it. And we actually, even uh, Richard Schwartz, who, who coined the term, came and spoke to us for a day or two. I think we did a, like a two-day seminar with him. And, and it was really exciting to me at the time. Over time, though, I've integrated other uh, pieces of things I've learned from and stuff and kind of had, had kind of forgotten. And Richard Schwartz and internal family systems had kind of gone by the wayside. And when you just used the terms IFS, I was like, hmm, I guess that's a new thing. And then I went and looked into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is great stuff. And, uh, but I've still I've maintained pieces of it over the years. Uh, but I think it's good to come back and refresh. And then also you have come and you've applied it uh, more to uh, in, in terms of people who are believers in Christ can, can use in, as far as how it applies to yourself and your, your soul. So, yeah. okay. First of all, t- tell us a little bit about yourself, Allison, and, and then what, what brought you to, to writing this book? 
Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Um, it's so fun, that connection that you've actually studied this a little bit because it's fairly new, although re growing really fast, this model of therapy. Um, so I'm a psychologist. Uh, I live outside of Boston where I have a small practice. Um, and my specialty is in the integration of faith with psychology. My, my doctoral work was actually a joint program in psychology and theology. Um, so I really love that integrated piece. Um, and I, my, my family, I have a, my family and I all, uh, two kids and my husband all kind of, um, uh, you know, I think sometimes enjoy listening to me talk about all this, but it's fun for me to come on Todd podcasts and talk about it. People who have nerd about it all the time. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. My, yeah. my own, my own personal psychological and counseling therapy shticks of, my family, uh, oh, here goes dad with his yeah, blah, yeah, blah, right. blah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, keep us, they keep us humble, right? Yeah. 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 But I, I learned about the internal family systems model of therapy actually toward the end of my, all of my um, doctor work. And it really, for me, um, it's a spiritual model. And so for me, it, there was a way in which I saw a lot of the gospel in it. Mm -hmm. um, and so my, my co-author and I, Kim Miller, and I wrote the book together, kind of spent the next few years teaching these retreats on a sort of a Christian adaptation of this model of therapy that incorporates spiritual Christian faith and practice with this psychological tool. So it's really powerful, both not just as a model of therapy, but as a way of just understanding yourself and a way of bringing more of yourself into relationship with God. Another thing, the, the audience can't hear me nodding. But because, <laughs> because we're using Zoom and you have that, that delay time, I, uh, intend, and I, I want to say, I've learned over time now, I want to say, yeah, uh-huh, but I know that that always cuts the other person's uh, sentences short. So, so yeah. I am nodding because, yes, this is uh, what you're saying so far is great. So uh, um, well, starting with, it, you, you talk about the soul being made or the self or um, being made up of these different parts. Um, how would you, well, it's kind of, to some people, it's going to kind of sound weird, like, um, like there's this multiple personality right. disorder kind of thing going on, but explain, explain what you mean by the, the different parts. Yeah, that's a great, you're, you're right. That, that can be one of the ways people are like, what are you talking about? Um, one of the best ways to illustrate it is if, if any of your listeners have seen the Pixar movie Inside Out that came out a few years ago that illustrates all the, the anger and the joy and the fear and the sadness that we all have inside of us, right? We are multifaceted. We are just, and, and, and you'll notice it, you know, going throughout your day, man, a part of me is exhausted and I just want to check out. And a part of me is like, no, I have to keep going. I have to keep going. Right. We experience this, these tensions within ourselves. We have a lot of aspects to who we are. It's how God made us. So we're complex. Yeah. Like sometimes <laughs> so we say, what it, sometimes we say, uh, well, there's a part of me that's excited uh, and there's a part of me that's anxious and there's a part of me that's kind of sad about it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We feel competing emotions at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it's normal. It's what we all experience. In fact, Paul talks about it. He'll say, you know, I, I want to, uh, you know, I, I do, I, I want to do the things I should and I instead I do the things I hate, right? And David talks all the time about God search my soul for all the, you know, all these different parts of me. Um, so that I can know myself. Um, so it's a really, it's just a tool for growing in that self-awareness that helps us understand these different parts of ourselves so that we can lead them better. We can lead ourselves better. 
Mm -hmm. So why is it important to understand these different parts? Um, well, so big picture is I do believe that a relation, and this, this is a, it's old idea in church history. This is not a new idea. It's becoming more trendy right now, but that growing in knowledge of God and growing in knowledge of ourselves go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. The more I know who God made in me, the more I can, um, bring the parts of me that are broken, the parts of me that are hurting into relationship with the living God. So they go hand in hand. If we deny, if we pretend like, you know, it's a relationship with God is, I like to say a relationship. There are two people in that relationship and you are one of those people. And so the more you can bring all of who you are into the relationship with God, or frankly, into your relationship with others, your loved ones, the healthier you're going to be. So self-awareness is a way of understanding your strengths, understanding your vulnerabilities, understanding your weaknesses. The more you're at peace with all those parts of yourself, the more equipped you're going to be to be in healthy relationships with others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just leading a, um, we do these three day intensives about once a month and I just did one this past weekend and uh, people share, you know, they, we have time when each person shares with the group, you know, kind of where they are, how they're struggling, how, how they are trying to move forward. And one person said, um, I need to love God first, then my spouse, then my kids, then mm -hmm. my family, then my church, and then me last. And I thought, that's not scriptural. But I think, you know, when we read the, the uh, great commandments, love God with all you got, love your neighbor as yourself most of us, in fact, me included, uh, I understand what it means to love my neighbor better than I think than I do what it means to love myself. I, I totally agree. I see that all the time. And sometimes I'll, if I'm working with someone, it's almost like Jesus assumes that love of, you'll know how to love yourself, right? In that commandment, but you could almost flip it and say, love yourself as you love your neighbor mm -hmm. because they're both so important and they both right. are a part of that commandment. Yes. There's, there's three. Yeah. 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 You're not going to be able to love your neighbor. Well, others. Well, if you can't love yourself, well, it's very true. Very true. Okay. I'm sorry. I interrupted. So I just want to throw that in there. Yeah, I, I, no. I, I sometimes think almost always think that I have something really valuable to add to the, and there's a, there's this part of me <laughs> that wants to be heard. <laughs> I love it. And that, and when you can speak on behalf of that part, that's such a, that's such a great, there's a part of me that wants to be heard. <laughs> and there's a part of me that loves that you're excited about all of this. Um, and that <laughs> when I find someone where there's a synergy, it's very exciting. So, um, so there, so. that means that, does that mean there's a part of you that doesn't want to have this interview? <laughs> No, 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 I don't, I don't detect that part at all. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I, I'm going to try to quit inter, inter, uh, you know, sticking my two cents in every, every one and a half minutes. Go ahead. <laughs> so you were, well, you were talking about the, these, these parts and. Yeah, no, I think, I think that, um, so the main, your question to the point of what's important about self-awareness and I think it's a great, the great thing about self-awareness is it does allow us to be in healthier relationships with others. 
And this model, this is one lens. It's not the only one. There are many other tools to grow in self-awareness, but IFS is one with this idea of there, there are three categories of parts, getting to know these different parts of who you are. You call these, uh, uh, well, I guess, can you describe that little diagram? We've got in the, in the middle of it, we've got, um, it's like a circle, right? And mm -hmm. in the middle of that circle is a heart that you call the spirit-led self. Mm -hmm. And then there's these outside of that, but this is still the soul. Uh, outside of that spirit-led self, you've got these things you call protectors. Um, there's the managers, the firefighters, the exiles, but they're, they're all lumped together as different types of protectors. So why do you call them protectors and, and what are they protecting or trying to protect us from? Yeah, it's a great question. So according to this model that Richard Schwartz developed, there, there are these two categories of protectors and they're not bad. They're, they're, all of these parts are valuable, but the manager parts of us are trying to protect us from pain or harm. And they're the parts of us that show up and that try to produce, please others, perform, control, perfect, right? They want to manage our image externally to keep us from being hurt. And then the second category of protectors that we all have are the parts of us that show up when we feel hurt. And their job, they're called firefighters. Their job is to put out the flames of that pain. And so these are the parts of us that show up and want to numb us out or escape or avoid. And so some typical firefighter behaviors, you might notice yourself just mindlessly scrolling through social media or binge watching your favorite television show or, you know, all the way down to addictions, just drinking the pain away. And then so the, those two categories are really trying to protect us from pain. And the problem is pain is a, carried by parts of us that need our attention the most. <laughs> we don't like it. We want to shove it away. And so that's the third category, which are called exiles, because they're the parts of us we try to exile. But they're the parts that need our attention the most. And that's where we carry the, the hard feelings like loneliness um, insecurities, fear, shame, self-doubt, you know, feelings of worthlessness. And those are the parts of us that actually need our attention the most. And so the goal is to learn to lead ourselves from that spirit-led place deep inside where we can become more aware of what we're doing in any given, oh, I'm reaching for the bag of chips Instead of beating myself up for that, that's a cue that some vulnerable part of me might need my attention. Okay. So you start to grow in awareness of some of these patterns. So um, would, th would that also include your, your past wounds from other people and, and even self-afflicted wounds where you made bad decisions that, that hurt you in the long run? Yes. So these, especially these exiled parts of us have picked up what we call burdens uh, all the way back to childhood, um, big T traumas, little T traumas. Um, so these vulnerable parts of us carry these beliefs. I'm not worthless, which we may know with our rational brain isn't true. I'm worthless. We might know that's not true, but that part of us really believes that. And that belief got lodged 
way deep down inside our soul, maybe in childhood as a result of being neglected or as a result of being criticized. And so we have to kind of bring that. We can't heal what we don't first acknowledge. So we have to learn to acknowledge, oh, I, a part of me does struggle with that. I struggle. I'm using the example of I struggle to feel like I'm, I'm not worth love. And so instead of trying to numb that or work ourselves out of that, we actually acknowledge it, bring it into the light. And that's where actual healing can start to occur. Hey there, listeners. This is John Anderson. Real quick, I want to tell you about something I'm excited about, and it will help you tremendously. It's my new book, The Acceptance. It's the culmination of many years of my work with marriages and relationships. It's subtitled, What Brings and Keeps Lifelong Love. The acceptance gets to the core of what drives us to look for a lifelong mate and how that drive continues to play out in all our relationships, especially with our spouse. The acceptance also exposes the myths that interfere with our relationships and provides practical applications for everyday use. I think you will find it to be one of the most unique and thought-provoking books you've ever read on relationships. You can get the hardback, paperback, and ebook versions on Amazon. Just search for The Acceptance by John R. Anderson. Now back to the show. So uh, this is a facetious leading question. <laughs> um, and I know you're going to say no, John. So the goal is to get those managers to shut up <laughs> and to make that little baby child in us um, quit acting like a little baby. Uh, that, um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I would reframe that. <laughs> no, I, you can, I, I, I think I tried to say it in a way that's 180 of the way I think you, that's how we often think, right? That's exactly how we feel about ourselves. Like, I just need to knock it off and grow up. And we don't tend to, it doesn't tend to work. That way of talking to ourselves doesn't tend to work. We change in the context of compassion. We changed as we are witnessed. And so what we, the language we use in the book is the language of boundaries. We want to set gentle boundaries with those manager parts of us. Oh, maybe overworking, I need to set a gentle boundary with that. When I do that, that means some of this vulnerable, these vulnerable feelings. Oh, I'm going to fail. Oh, I'm going to miss out on something surface. But we also need to set a gentle boundary with those too. And it's just like, that's why the metaphor of a family, if you parent kids, right, you're constantly trying to both validate what they feel, but also not let those feelings take them over. It's okay to be angry, but yeah, and I can witness you in your anger. And once that anger, once that emotion passes through, Let's come up with a plan of action that's actually really going to help you. Yeah. When that hasn't happened, we have to do that. We have to parent ourselves in that way. Hmm. So um, it's okay to be angry, <laughs> but it's like a child who's angry. Yes, I would be upset if I didn't get what I want to, if, if I had to take a nap instead of getting to go play. Uh, but it's also, are you saying it? So it's also saying, but the way that you're expressing that anger is not appropriate. 
Yeah. Yes, exactly. So you, the, the, cause a lot of these parts carry um, intense emotions. And so, and, and I always say to people, you know, Jesus experienced a full range of emotions. Emotions in and of themselves are not bad. It's what we do with them. And a lot of us, if we were parented in such a way as which our emotions were called bad, those emotions actually get bigger. <laughs> they don't go away. Right. So anger's a, anger's a great example where you have a part of you that's feeling angry. You don't want to act out of that anger but you do want to honor it and get what well, we use. We use the terminology, get curious about it. Try to understand it. Where is it coming from? How long has it been there? Why is it there? And the more you actually get curious about your anger, the more it will soften and the more you'll access more of that spirit led self to act appropriately on behalf of the anger. Okay. If that makes sense yeah. versus from it. We talk a lot about, uh, speaking on behalf of these parts of us versus from them. So uh, a lot of times, sounds like you're saying a lot of times our anger is because of a wound and, and it's, it's one of those uh, managers trying to keep us from experiencing that, the pain, that pain again. And so we need to listen to it to say, what is it you're really concerned about? So you can help it. Um, you can say, yeah, Oh yes, I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention to that too. Thank you for reminding me. Um, um, exactly. But but we want to make sure we don't just uh, do what the firefighter is screaming to do, which is Correct. whack it whack whack it with a ten pound sledgehammer. That's right. Or okay. a drug. Or a, or, oh. or right. Or a, right. yeah, exactly. We we um we're, that's the, that's the part where we're reparenting the the part of us. Because, so you'll see with anger, especially, which is a common one, you're working with it to grow in discernment, really. Like, did, some, did someone really hurt you? Okay, first, let's figure, or is this anger that is a, almost become a way of being in the world? Everybody's always out to get me, right? So we're trying to understand the anger. So we have the appropriate proportionate response to the situation. We're not operating out of something that happened to us five years ago. What happens when we take, say for instance, the, the manager and the manager saying, you got to do this, you got to do that. We have to be thinking about this. We've got to worry about that. What happens when you just say, manager, shut up your, your, you're freaking out. You, you just need to go away because you're ruining my life. Well, <laughs> what we would want to do, so the steps are to get curious, extend compassion, um, and ask to soften. So again, we're trying to approach these parts of us with compassion in the way that we see Jesus approach people who were hurting in scripture. Um, and sometimes that boundary does need to be, you know, with a really aggressive manager, sometimes we do have to really get firm. And again, that firmness comes from the spirit led self. I mean, Jesus certainly wasn't a pushover. Sometimes he spoke very strongly and sternly to people. And in our book, we have a chapter where we, we talk about how Jesus kind of responded to different types of people. And it's a little bit like how we have to respond to these parts of ourselves. And Jesus was the tenderest 
with the, those who were hurting the most, and he was the harshest with those who were the most critical, judgmental, hypocritical. Um, and so those parts of us, there might be a stern tone of this, I need this part of, but it is also still a part of who you are. It has good intentions. And so we want it to heal, not go away. If that makes sense. We want yeah. it to grow. <laughs> yeah. So from what you're saying, I can imagine like, you know, when I, recognize that that I am tend sometimes tend to be way over controlling. I want to control people. I want to control the situation. And then, and then I recognize after I've, after my controlling part has gotten out of control and I've instead hurt people because they feel manipulated and everything. And then I, what I think we tend to do sometimes is I'd say, I am just too controlling. Mm, and yeah. and we shame ourselves about that you know and that's kind of that a way of saying get out of here control or you you can't be part of my life but it doesn't it doesn't go away no, <laughs> we're not we're not really addressing yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're we're the way we're trying to address it that controller is to shame ourselves is, that's right and we don't change and shaming ourselves doesn't work and mm -hmm. and so instead if you have a controlling part but what we want to do is say, well, we want to go, oh, you know, the, the self-awareness to go that controlling part of me got out of control, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> um, right. And, <laughs> and I can name that. So the, the steps are we focus on that, which is all, all it means, the step of focus means we have five steps in the book. When you, if you think about when you focus on something, you actually bring it out in front of you and you get a little distance from it so you can see it. That's huge. If you can just even name it and say, oh, my, I was a little over controlling there. Second, befriend it, meaning I want to extend compassion because there's a reason probably that happened. Third is invite, invite Jesus to come in and give me perspective on that. Third, fourth is unburdened. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Usually when, let's use the example of controlling, when a manager part of us gets extreme, it's because of vulnerable part of us is hurting. So instead of going to someone and saying, I'm feeling scared, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling um, vulnerable, I just tried to control you. Right? And think about in a relationship, if your spouse comes to you and says, I'm actually really scared right now. And as a result, it makes me want to control my environment even more. Your spouse is going to respond so much better to that than you just trying to control everything around you, right? So when you can bring those two into relationship, it, 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 you can communicate so much better what's going on inside of me that led me to controlling in that moment. You can apologize. You can explain what was going on. And then you can work to get the need, the true need met, which is I'm feeling scared or uncertain. And that controlling part of you, then step five, can pivot toward a healthier strategy. Because we need people who take charge of things from time to time. Can we create a plan? That would help, right? Instead of controlling, we're going to shift to a healthier way of exerting that manager part of us. I want to come back to that healthier way. <laughs> but you, in, in essence, you just answered what was going to be my next question which is, can you give an example of, of one of these? So that was kind of more the, the manager, I think you were talking about there. 
Can you give an example of how sometimes the firefighter gets out of control? Sure. And, 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 um, and, and, and in, in as far as when we are relating with our spouse or others, and, and then um, what, is that, what does that look like? And then, you know, what would it look yeah. like to, to address that, that firefighter? Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll start with a seemingly innocent one, but um, you, you hear it happen all the time. Like, I can't get my spouse to um, break away from their device to talk to me. Um, that, you know, right now in our culture, the, the, we have so many options for checking out yes. that are instantly available. It's, it's just, and, or, um, I'm, you know, you, you know, an example might be, um, all of a sudden I'm just buying a whole bunch of stuff, uh, manically, you know, just kind of, you know, just, and my spouse is like, what is happening? We're, we we do not have the money for this. So that's, that's a fight, you know, that's a cue. I say these are cues to get curious. And instead of, again, going to your spouse, what's wrong with you? It's, I notice this is happening. I'm wondering what's going on. Okay. I, I'm going to have to edit that whole part out because I've been <laughs> buying more stuff on Amazon during quarantine and, and Joanna's going, what, what's up with this? We have less money now. What are you doing? <laughs> It's a real thing. It's yes. real. Okay. It's a real thing. The evidence is overwhelming. Reputable and proven marriage intensives have a far higher success rate than counseling or therapy for marriages that are struggling or even failing. I myself am a counselor. I earned my master's degree in marriage and family therapy, and I see multiple couples in my office on a weekly basis. But unless it's premarital counseling, I don't work with a couple until after they have been through a proven intensive. I've now led more than 126 such intensives over the past 15 years. The University of Washington found that only 17% of couples in crisis who start with counseling will still be married just two years later. However, two separate studies have shown that at least 72% of the couples who have attended an intensive that I conducted are still married. You can't find a better choice for turning your marriage around than our intensive Love Reboot. Come join the thousands who have attended a Love Reboot and are now experiencing a thriving, vibrant marriage. You can find us on the web at growinglovenetwork.org. That's growinglovenetwork.org. This is Max Lucado. You're listening to Relationship Rewire. Yeah, so what do you do? So what, so awareness, awareness, noticing. And instead of shaming, especially with firefighters, we shame ourselves. What's wrong with me? You know, I can't believe I can't stop doing this. We get curious and we start to recognize I'm probably doing this for a reason what am I feeling inside? What's that exiled part of me that's exhausted, scared, lonely? And then that firefighter can actually, the healthy side of a firefighter is providing comfort, soothing. We do need to find comfort, soothing, self-care, even pleasure, but we need to find those things in healthy 
ways. So again, instead of, you know, we might, we might say to our spouse, I'm, 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 I'm lonely, I'm scared. I need to find something, you know, could we find something to do together? Could you help me think of something that would help calm me, right? Or I'm looking for an outlet, some fun, right? It's a way of all of a sudden that self-awareness helps you go, oh, this is actually healthy. I do need to find outlets, especially during a pandemic. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. So you, you talk a bit about uh, in the book about integrating these three things. Mm -hmm. Can you say a little bit about what that means? Yeah. So the goal with this model is harmony. And if you think about harmony in a family, um, it, it's harmony is this, it sounds nice, but well, let's first of all, think about it like in a, a band or an orchestra. It's every part playing its piece well, both for the good of the individual and the good of the whole. And it's a complicated process. And so in a family, when a family has harmony, each person feels valued. Each person has a sense of their contribution, of their role. They're working for the good of their individual and they each have a voice. They each have a voice. Mm -hmm. And it's all kind of coming together, though, in a way that the, the whole is, all, is, is honored. It's the same within us. So we need our manager parts sometimes. So for example, here's an example. Let's say I'm feeling sad. I got to go to work. So if as I'm aware in the morning, you know, maybe I'm aware there's a sad part of me. I'm going to honor that part of me, but I, I'm not going to let it take me over. So I'm going to access this manager part of me and they can, I, I can go to work and still create a space for that sadness. I don't have to exile it. And then I'm going to do something really nice for myself when I get home. Cause this is hard. It's hard. I, and, and, and I'm going to be intentional about that. I'm going to let myself unwind in a specific way. And that's where we start to experience harmony. I know how to care for myself. I know how to get what I need. And we're behaving with intention with God's help versus mm -hmm. reacting. Mm. Yeah. You know, just yes. I'm just gonna pretend like I'm fine. I'm gonna race through work and then I'm gonna crash over the weekend because I'm exhausted and haven't paid attention to myself. Yes. That's reacting versus caring for ourselves with intention. Well, what are some couple more examples of how this can, or one or two more, what, what, the, the common ways that you see spouses um, not listening to one of these pieces or not integrating them? And then what, what, it, what would it look like if they were doing that well? Yeah, so the common thing that shows up in spouses is what, I, what we call relating protector to protector. And what that means is like, say one spouse mm -hmm. is, um, what's wrong with you? Why can't you put the dishes away? What's wrong with you? Why can't you see how hard I work? Those are two protectors trying to control the situation. And what we want to do as spouses is speak on behalf of our vulnerabilities instead. So we might say in that scenario, something like, I'm feeling exhausted and I could use help. Could we talk about that in terms of household tasks? <laughs> it just goes a little better when you say it that way. Sure. Yeah. As opposed to you jerk, why aren't you helping me around the house? Right. right? 
that's what we mean by relating. We're speaking on behalf from that spirit-led place of what we need versus from a protector that's trying to get you to change to be what I need. I think a lot of the, the spouses that I work with, they have um, an, enough uh, pop psychology to yeah. understand about talking out of that feeling. Yes. Uh, here's I'm feeling exhausted. Yes. Ex- except they make one big mistake is that they blame the other person for that feeling. Yeah. And that's where then the protector jumps back in again. Uh, you're making me feel that's angry. Right. You're making me feel exhausted. What do you what, say something about that? It, it just doesn't work in marriage. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. It, it, and it's really hard. The hardest ones that I see is where one person is committed to owning their, their own stuff. And one partner is committed to blaming. It's really hard. You need two people who are willing to say, look, I'm going to focus on my side of the fence. <laughs> I'm going to focus on this is what I'm feeling. This is what I need. The other person, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I need. That can go pretty well. Where it gets really hard is where one person has a part of them that is convinced if you would change, I would feel better. The, now, it's not to say that might not partially be true. You know, if you would get rid of your drinking problem, I would feel better. Maybe that's true, right? But we're trying to take control. And again, we don't change typically in the context of criticism, shaming, controlling, what, what we change is in the context of compassion. So we flip it to, I can't, and this is where the bound, it overlaps with boundaries. I'm, I can't be around you when this happens. I love you, but I can't, I'm not able to be around you when this happens. So I need to do X, Y, and Z. You're taking charge of your own responsibility there. And the other person then has a choice in how they respond to that. Okay, so I got a trick question then. <laughs> so you said when, when one does it well and the other's not, it's really hard. I, I guess I'm yeah. guessing that you would add to that when two are not doing it well, it's even harder. It's, uh, yeah, it's almost impossible. Yeah. yeah. So um, if you're the one who, who does it well and your spouse isn't, how do you get them to do it different? You can't, um, <laughs> you can't, and that's what's really hard. Mm. So that's where you have to flip to, uh, I'm, going to I'm going to take responsibility for myself, my growth. I'm going to let, you know, um, you, one way we've, one way in chapter 14 of the book, we talk a little bit of dealing with the challenging parts of others. One thing that can help is to see that as one part of that person that part of my loved one doesn't get it. That part of my loved one wants to blame me. Now, I'm not talking about extremely abusive relationships. That's a whole different category. So we're talking about where there is some good, some yes. health, but there's that one part. And that's really painful. And, and that's really painful for me. But that part of them, that, they're not able to see that yet. So I'm going to honor the pain of that. I'm going to build coping tactics around that. I can't change that part of my spouse. I can pray for that part. I can enjoy the other parts of my spouse that are healthy, if that makes sense. Yes. Again, this is in the, where we're in the range of relative health. Yeah. 
because we're all in process. We all have blind spots. Right. So it does help sometimes to look at it as, oh, this is a part of my spouse that is really tough and they're not yet quite aware of it. Yes. I can't, if I keep pointing it out, mm, they're just going to get annoyed. Okay, I'm going to make this short and to the point. The podcast you're listening to, Relationship Rewire, is a free service to the public provided by Growing Love Network, a nonprofit organization. That means we don't make a profit. In fact, to be able to do what we do, which is to provide top-notch innovative help for marriages, we rely on donors so that everyone can have access to the help they need, regardless of the ability to pay. Won't you take a moment, hit the pause button, and go to growinglovenetwork.org. Click on the donate button and give what you can. If you're not sure about it at this moment, hit pause anyway, just for 15 seconds, and ask yourself if this is what you should do. Go ahead. I'll wait. And in some sense, that's everybody. That I mean, our spouse, all of our spouses could say that about us, uh, that we all are missing some part, part of this. The reason I say that is because I have this always have this fear that somebody's going to take what you and I are trying to teach and go back and try to change their spouse and yes. it's going to make things worse no. or, or when they, uh, they, they're going to focus on that, you know, like you said, there's good stuff about them, but there's this one part that's, you know, that's broken and hurting and, and messed up and, and you try to fix that and, um, and you can't, and then the getting fixated on fixing it just reminds you, more how, how you don't like it. And then, so you just have worse and worse thoughts about them and you treat them worse and worse. And yep. so I think you're saying but the opposite of that. We, in our book, we call it taking a U turn and it's what Jesus taught. You can always find a plank in your own eye. Yeah. And you, have, that's what you have control over. Mm. And it's not to say that it's not painful. It's not to say that it's not real. But what do you have? You have to come back to all I have. I can only take responsibility for changing myself. I don't have to pretend like it's not there, but I also, it's not my job to fix that. It's my job to continue to grow, heal, and let the Holy Spirit transform me and hope that in doing my own work, that will start to maybe create a context for change for other people. But that's not my primary focus. Right. So is that, that's a Y-O-U turn? We call it a Y-O-U turn, a okay, U yeah. turn. So you're triggered by somebody else. What's wrong with them? That's a cue to take a U turn and go, what is it inside of me that is bothered by that? What can I do to, you know, it, you know to, to let this help me learn to grow in this, in this area that's so triggering? Yeah. Well, I can tell you got yourself a lot more integrated than I have myself because <laughs> you, you were like in chapter 14, blah, blah, blah. I'll, I'd be like, I think in one of the chapters in my book, I, th- <laughs> <laughs> all right. I've, I've been doing it for a while. So there's a lot, lot there. Well, see, you've just given us a little taste of what this is all yeah. about and, and piqued yeah. our interest. And I would um, love to point people t- to this book. It's called Boundaries for Your Soul, how, yeah. to, how to Turn Your Overwhelming Thoughts and Feelings into Your Greatest Allies, the author. And my guest is Dr. Allison Cook. That's one L in Allison, unless yep. they misspelled it 
and uh, Kimberly Miller. I have yeah. to try to get her on here. Sometime yeah, she'd be soon. great. Um, yes, you got my interest peak. Now I want to finish the book. I, I didn't have time to finish it before our interview, but uh, I sure appreciate uh, you being on here. And I think you gave us a lot to chew on and a lot that's going to be helpful. So you got anything um, uh, that you're excited about that you're working on that uh, I haven't mentioned? That well, if folks are interested, I have two sets of free, a lot of freebies on my website, which is just www.allisoncookphd.com, Allison with one L. Um, I have a boundaries kickstart guide for women that kind of blends this internal work with just external boundaries. I have a guided audio reflection, getting to know a part of yourself. Um, so go to my website and check out all the freebies there to kind of launch your journey if, or, or further your journey on healing and growing in this area. Okay, great. AllisonCookPhD.com. Yeah. Okay. And that's how people can uh, connect with you and learn more about what you got going. Great. Well, um, I guess it's an hour later there in in the Boston area than it is here in San Antonio, Texas. And so you're about ready to wind down from this stressful thing. And your firefighter is saying it's time for a few stiff drinks. <laughs> or a nice long walk. <laughs> or a nice long walk. <laughs> All right. One of the two. <laughs> Thank you so much, Allison. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks for having me. Relationship Rewire is produced by Growing Love Network. Growing Love Network exists to revolutionize relationships for lifelong love. You can find us on the web at growinglovenetwork.org. We welcome your feedback on this or any of our episodes. Send us an email to relationshiprewire at gmail.com.